0: Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, By this time, there's a bad odor, for he has been dead there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him.
1: Thanks, Simon. Today we're going to be looking at this story that is very, very well known. I'm sure a lot of you guys who have been in you know, Sunday school would have heard the story since Sunday school. It's been repeated again and again, and it's been taught again and again. But my prayer today is that we will begin to look at this with fresh eyes because within this passage, there's truths that apply to us today, of course. But not only that, Jesus makes this declaration earlier in John, in John around 5, 5-something, five And he says that, my father is always at work, and so am I to this day. And as we gather together in front, you know, reading and just looking at the word of God, I believe the Lord God is also at work in our lives. And it's my prayer today that we will open up our hearts, open up our spiritual ears to what the Spirit wants to say to us individually. Because the Spirit of God wants us to draw near. The Spirit of God wants us to have intimacy with the Father. And it is God's, Jesus' desire for you to be close to him today. So there is a verse that is within Colossians, I believe. Corinthians, sorry. And it says that death is swallowed up by victory. And that's the topic today. Today we are looking at the idea of leaving the grave behind and living that resurrected life. And I have to say, and the reason why I want us to huddle a little bit close, because I was praying and praying about what to speak on, and God did drop a few things on my heart, but he also told me, I want you to be honest. So that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to be honest, because if I'm honest to you, I'm I'm hoping and I'm praying that you're also honest to yourself. So before we go into the meat of what Uh, The story of Lazarus entails, I want to first read you something from my own personal journal that I wrote probably a week or maybe two ago. It's just a little bit of a window into what's been happening in my heart. Lord, my emptiness and distance prevails. I feel lost in the hopelessness of our nation and the state of the church. I want to be part of the solution, but what if the same disease is in my soul? My mind knows better, but my spirit is caught up with society. I want to rise above this, Lord. I want nothing more than to see you glorified. But what if I'm not glorifying you in the simple decisions? In the eyes of others, you can't fault me, but I know the void that's within my soul. Help me to come back into your embrace. Help me to grow and to be a healthy tree. Right now I'm planted. Still strong, my roots go deep, but my leaves have withered with time. The wind has beat against me. Help me to separate tradition from what is real. I want your truth, Lord. Your ways, your word says I'm the resurrection and the life. In you and only you can you resurrect my soul only in you i can find life abundantly only in you can i find cool water for my thirsty empty soul a longing only you can satisfy and i go on for a few other pages and the reason why i want us to be want to be honest with you today is because i want you to be honest with yourself and so often we try to blanket what's really going on within our heart, and we justify what we do and what we think again and again because we are behaving perhaps in the right way on the outside. But God sees what is within our heart, and today what I believe is that as we're looking, about, looking at this story about resurrection, I believe there are some of us today that God wants to resurrect within our souls, resurrect spiritually spiritually. So just a little bit of context. The story of Lazarus takes place six days before the crucifixion. And as we see, as the story of his last days, I guess, unfold within John, we see it coming to a climax. And many people believe that, the, that what happened, what took place within this story, what took place with Lazarus, Caused the chain of events that led to his crucifixion. So this is a very powerful story. And I believe that this is also, it's something the enemy doesn't want us to hear. So I'm just going to summarize the first part and then we're going to go into the story. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. You see, Mary was the one, is, is the, um, whose brother is Lazarus, he was sick but she's also the one that um, sat at Jesus' feet. So remember the story where Martha was slaving away in the kitchen and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. This is the same family. This is a family that Jesus loves. They're his good mates. They're his friends. They actually know him intimately. Out of all the people that Jesus speaks to, these people he actually feels connected to and he knows and he loves and he relies on. And this is what happens. Mary and the sisters, what they do is Lazarus is sick, so they send a runner to Jesus. Now imagine for a second, you're in the you know the first century. There are no phones, there's no no internet, there's really hard to contact people. So what they would do is send a runner that would go to a place which they hear the person is at, and they would find that person to relay a message. So the runner goes and they find Jesus, and he conveys to him, your friend Lazarus, whom you love. Is ill. Jesus says, This sickness will not end in death. It is for God's glory that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So imagine if you're Mary and Martha, so the runner would have heard this, and he would have gone back to Bethany, where Lazarus and Lazarus and Martha and Mary were were there, and he would have conveyed this message. Jesus said, This will not end in death. Lazarus will not die. And imagine being Mary and Martha at this particular point. They have seen Jesus' miracles. I mean, they've seen him heal the blind. They've seen him, you know, raise, I not raise the dead yet, but like he, they've seen him make the lame walk. They've seen countless miracles from Jesus. They've seen this stuff. And if not seen, they've definitely heard of it at this point. So they feel relieved. Can you picture that? Oh, Jesus says Lazarus is not going to die. But Jesus doesn't go straight away. He waits two more days. And as we know from our reading earlier, is that Lazarus passes away. He dies. I want us for a moment to put ourselves in the shoes of Mary and Martha. Jesus said that he would be here. Two sisters waiting on a dying man, their brother. Now, I'm no doctor, but I do know this. When a sickness takes hold of somebody suddenly and they pass within a short period of time, it's usually very violent and aggressive. So just imagine you're nursing your brother to health, just all the while looking out the window for Jesus to come. One day passes. Lazarus is still there. And he. I can imagine cold sweats. I imagine fevers. I imagine vomiting. We don't know what sickness he had, but imagine the feeling that would be in the women's heart. Lord, help me. Lord, when are you coming? Lord, save my brother. Lord, please, don't leave us here. But yet Jesus doesn't come. And let's have a look at what happens, and we'll start at verse 17. On arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for 4 days. Many Jews have come to Mary and Mar- Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Please take note of this. In the previous story, in the previous like few chapters, well, previously, Mary and Martha, you know their story. Mary is the one who does the right thing. Mary is the one who sits at the feet of Jesus. And this picture that is painted is that Martha is slaving away in the kitchen. But what's happening here, what we need to realize, is that the tables have turned. Martha is the one who does the unexpected. She leaves the home and she goes to meet Jesus. Within Jewish tradition, it's customary for the people, the family of the deceased, to stay in the house for 30 days. But yet, in her desperation, Martha heard that Jesus was coming. In fact, later on it says that Jesus hasn't even entered the village yet, but she hears it and she runs out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, she's saying, Jesus You are late. Jesus, where were you those four days, those days in which our brother was vomiting? Where were you when we needed you? You're late. Didn't we send a runner like, you know, four days ago? And this is something that God has been speaking to me about, is that Jesus has an unconscious canny way of defying our expectations. He knows the end outcome and I can just picture the prayers that went in to Jesus coming but yet Jesus doesn't meet their expectations. He comes four days late. And I believe that there are several reasons why. Number one, there's a special encounter that needs to happen with Martha. And number two is to reveal his power. Three days, the soul is considered deceased. The soul that is, they believed that the soul would wander around, hover around the body. Jewish superstition. But Jesus comes after the fourth day. Let's have a look. Let's go on. Okay, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But notice her faith. I know that even now he will give you whatever you ask. Even now he will give you whatever you ask. You see, when it comes to faith, it's not just believing in God, but knowing that he will show up due to his promise. Faith is believing in who God says he is, and he would do what he says to do. But also, it's important to understand that faith is also believing in God when he doesn't meet our expectations, when he doesn't do what we expect him to do. And I know a lot of us, and I've seen this happen many times, we pray for something, Lord, we quote scripture. Jesus, we believe, you know, your word said, by your, by, by your stripes, you know, we are healed. So in the name of Jesus, I believe in healing. And it's not to say that Jesus doesn't heal. But we need to be careful that we don't take scripture and bend it to how it fits us. And look at what Martha says next, verse 24. So, Jesus says to her, after all this, Jesus says to her, your brother will rise on the last day. And look at what Martha says. I know he will rise again on the resurrection of the last day. You see, this is a promise. And not, we seem to think this whole resurrection, future resurrection is in the New Testament. We actually see it within the Old Testament as well. And you know what? Martha was absolutely right. One day we will be raised with Christ, in, our, in a resurrected form, and we were going to go on to eternity with our Father. She was right. Her theology was right. But look what Jesus says here. You know, in fact, John, in previous, previous chapters, John in John 5:28 to 29, it says that we shouldn't be amazed. Do not be amazed of this, for a time is coming for all those who are in their grave hear the voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live and those that have done what is evil will be condemned. You see, this is truth and she was absolutely right. But look at what Jesus says in response. He says that I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. You see, Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly. I want to pause here for a second because I think this is really important. I believe there's a whole bunch of Christians that are out there who want to see change in the world. They want to be the solution. They want to see change in the world, but they're unwilling to change themselves. There's a whole bunch of Christians that are out there that are unwilling to change themselves. See, I have the life of Christ living within me you have the life of Christ living within you and i started thinking to myself if i have the life of Christ living within me then why do i do things that don't bring life that are opposed to life see The Bible says that when Jesus lives within you, it's like a wellspring of living water coming up within us. Previously, Jesus says, I am the bread of what life? Then why do I feel so empty at times in my soul? Which made me question, where am I with God? Have I got the resurrection and the life living within me? Have I taken hold of that resurrection life? Something, just being honest with you guys once again, and I do it because I really want us to examine our own hearts. I am sick to death of judging people. I go on Instagram, and the thing is, and a lot of people, I saw some of your eyebrows raise. And that's the thing. I do the right things, right? I'm here, I study, I love Jesus. But yet I catch myself going on social media and scrolling through my feed and looking at, ooh, look at what that person's doing. And you make snap judgments. I'm tired of being judgmental towards other people because I want what they've got. And yet Jesus says that I am the resurrection and the life. Why on earth am I doing things that are opposed to life? And I see it in the mouths of many believers. They they mask it in concern. You know, they share with their friends. They mask it in concern. But really, they're just being judgmental. It's masked. But underneath, there is something hidden that is not good and not of God. It's interesting, as I dig deeper into my own life and I look at the root cause, on the outside, it looks, in my mind, it looks like pride. I judge because I'm prideful, because I want to be better than other people. But then, it's interesting, because if you go a few layers down, what I find is the root cause is usually negativity towards yourself. I don't feel good about myself. Therefore, I look at other people and I judge. It's interesting, and I've said this before, pride. You look at pride and you think, oh, that's the original sin. That, you know, it's, 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 the, it's the desire to elevate oneself above God. It's the desire to make a name for yourself. But what is underneath all that is insecurity. Why do you need people to see you as valued and good? Why do you need the praise of people, like the applause? And why do, when other people have what you want, you judge them? I want us to reflect on our lives, because I think on the outside, all of us look great to become here but I believe that God wants to address something that's much deeper. God wants us to live the resurrection life and leave the tomb behind. The one who believes in me will live. And this is what Jesus says. So he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he goes on. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? There's eternal hope there. You will never die. Even if you die, your spirit lives on. And then look at Martha's reply Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, and so who has come into the world. So even in the midst of having her expectations not met, keep in mind her brother just passed away. She's mourning. And she says, I still believe in you. You are the Messiah, the Son of God. If the same thing happened to you, if something came your way, if death happened, if you prayed for something so hard, but yet you don't get the desired outcome, Will you have the same faith as Martha? Okay, so Martha goes back, verse 28. Martha goes back and what happens is she calls her sister aside. So this is Mary coming into the picture. The teacher is here. He is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at at the place that Martha had met him. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So she says the same thing, same agony. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you have listened and have come, Lord, you are late. And look at Jesus' response. And this is probably one of the most beautiful passages, I believe, that shows his humanity when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews that have come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked, come and see, Lord, they replied. In verse 35, Jesus wept. This is the shortest verse in the whole of the Bible. Shortest verse, but yet within this has such profound meaning. Jesus knew what was about to happen. He knew that in a moment's time, that Lazarus was going to rise again. He knew about the future hope of his second coming and that we would all be together with him in peace and harmony, in love. He knew all that stuff was going to happen. But yet Jesus wept. He cried. He wailed with the people. Do you know why? Because in this world, it's full of pain and loss, regret, Depression, devastation, he wept because knowing the end story doesn't mean that you can't be sad at the bad parts. And as Christians, brothers and sisters, do not let each other wander in the dark alone. There are some of us here that on the outside we feel, well, we look great, but on the inside we are dry. Don't let each other wander around in the dark Alone. Verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone across the entrance. He says, take away the stone. But Lord, Martha said, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a dead odour. He has been there for four days. Then Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God. If you, know, if, if you believe, you will see God's glory. So they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, thank you, you have heard me. I knew, I know, knew that you, were always, you always hear me. But I said to this for the benefit of the people standing here that they might believe you have sent me. When he said this, Jesus said in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands, feet wrapped strips of linen cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes. Lazarus, come out. And as I was reading this, I felt like Jesus was saying to my heart, Jess, come out of the grave. The resurrection, the power, it is yours. Come out of the grave, leave the tomb behind. Why are you still wearing those grave clothes? You've been set free. And I believe a lot of us are the same way. We have our grave clothes wrapped around us and we go about it everyday lives. We've been set free, we've been resurrected. But we have not yet understood that we have the resurrection power. He is the resurrection, he is the life. And yet we still hold on to the past. You see, the Bible says very clearly in Romans, the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. So just as, you know, Martha was right, she was looking towards a future glory, we need to also understand that resurrection can happen in our lives today. Spiritually, it can come out. It can can happen. You see, Jesus says to Lazarus, come forth. Jesus calls you by name. He stands at the door of your heart and says, come forth. Leave your dead past behind you. Leave your hurts, leave your sorrows, leave your disappointments, leave your doubts, leave your fears, leave your regrets, leave your sins that so easily entangle you. Come out from the tomb of your past and start a new life with Jesus. For he lives, he is the resurrection and he is the life. That's what we have in Jesus. We have life and life abundantly. Take the tomb clothes off. Examine your heart. And like we, I hear it, and this is not a problem because it's truth, but I find that within the churches, and not just our church, but previous churches that I've been to, there's a lot of talk about forgiveness. And that is true. We are forgiven by the living God. But we never talk about repentance. God forgives us, he'll forgive us in a second, but we, he can't forgive what we conceal from him. So I encourage you today, what areas of your life you need to bring up towards God. Have we adopted this bumper sticker Christianity where we post up maybe memes of our Christian faith or like Christian f- that have a single verse, that have a little bit of an explanation and think, yeah, I've done a good job. I've done my devotions for today. Have we come before the Lord and have we brought our hearts before him? And lastly, as we close up, and I am running above time, but I want to see, open up your Bibles. I want us to have a look at the scripture. and I'm wrapping it up. But yeah, let me know when you've got it, and maybe give me a nod. So, okay, good. So, 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 57. Now, I encourage you to read this for yourself, because there's so much meat in this passage. But what I want to focus our attention on is actually verse 54. And I've read this before, and I've found that you know looking at the scripture it's 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 always it's we're one of those ones that have been on the forefront of my mind but i have neglected to read what followed it now let's read this together from verse 54 and it's talking about the second coming right here when the perishable have been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal body with immortality then the saying is that what is written will come true death has been swallowed up by victory Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? But look at what it says below. I used to think that it was to do with death itself, the physical death. Jesus defeated that on the cross. He rose again. Death has no place. Death has no sling. But look at what it says here. It says in verse 56, the sting of death is what? Sin. The power of the sin is the law. But thank God that we have victory over our sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus didn't just die for me. He died as me. The word says that I have been crucified with Christ in Romans. But notice at the tenses. I have, past tense, have being crucified with Christ. When Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, hung there, bloodied, bashed in front of people, ridiculing him, we also died with him. We also hung on that cross. We have been crucified with Christ. If we have been crucified with Christ, then what are we doing now what are we doing now judging people what are we doing now speaking things that shouldn't you know that that tear people down what are we now thinking things about other people and this is just one example that God has been speaking to me about but for you it might be something totally different if we are in Christ it says that he is the resurrection and the life If we are in him, then why are we doing all these things? And if I am neck deep in these thoughts, in this emptiness, then I have to question myself, am I really in Christ? Jesus is life, and in him we have life to the full. It's not enough to make a commitment to Christ two years ago, 25 years ago. Jesus wants that resurrection power to be happening in our lives today. It's not just about the future. We know where we're going, but I'm more concerned about what's happening in our lives as we speak. What part of yourself needs to come to life? Because I believe God plucked you out of eternity, positioned you in this certain place and time, given you special gifts, talents for a purpose of serving this generation. And I look outside and I am broken hearted by what I see. I see bushfires. You know, there's epidemics happen out there. I see the loneliness and I also see the anger that people have towards Christians. And I think to myself, where is the church in all this? Where is the people of God? And I tell you where they are, they're in buildings They're here on Sundays. They're not going out there. They're not living that resurrection life that God had planned. So Jesus rose from the dead to make you dangerous to the kingdom of darkness, not to fill seats, to make you dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. And I'm gonna close with two thoughts. I want us to stand up, God's people, stand up. See, Romans 13, to 14, it talks about changing from a relaxed attitude to one of readiness. Are we ready to stand up? Are we ready to change our posture? Second thing is lift up your heads to heaven. Stop looking at each other. Stop comparing with each other. Look up to heaven. Stop judging each other. Change your focus from the world to our eternal future with the Lord. Set your mind on things above, Colossians 13, 1 to 4. So I want to leave you with this, two things. Stand up. Don't be asleep in slumber. Don't be in slumber. Stand up and turn to an attitude of readiness. Lift up your heads. Change your focus from the world to your eternal future with God. But first of all, repent. Because in him there's life. And even though the story of Lazarus represents something that physically happened, he literally got up from his grave. But when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, I believe that he was speaking about our souls. I'll pray. Lord, um, as we sit here today, as we have listened to you, I pray, Lord, that your spirit will be speaking into every, each and every one of our hearts because this world is too short to spend it sleeping it away. We come to church, Lord, we come and we sing words that are so powerful, that have depth, that have meaning, that have eternal meaning, Father God, but we don't yet sometimes grasp it. And I find myself in the same situation where I know the truths of God, but I don't feel it on the inside. And when things and circumstances happen, I feel myself brought low to a point and then these ugly fruits come out and rear its head. And Lord, I feel like I'm weighed down. But Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, that in you there is water that can only, only water that can satisfy my thirsty soul. Nothing else can. And Lord, as we stand here and as we sing these songs and Lord, I pray, Father, we will declare it over our lives.